Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast. Stephanie, welcome. Hey, hon. Hey, so before we get started, I want to just say uh, thank you to those uh, who are listening, because uh, man, oh man, have we ever gained a lot of downloads and a lot of listens, and that's really cool. So uh, thanks for that. Make sure, uh, if you don't mind, share this podcast, get the word out. But anyways... And send us some feedback at ceo at raincanada.com. Yes, feedback or question, topic... Yeah, topic. We we could use some topic suggestions. I don't know about that. But anyways, here we go. So today, what are we talking about? Well, what I want to talk about when we look at mindset, we often have over the course of the months that we've been doing our podcast, we you know kind of work in a context of fixed mindset and growth mindset. And I think a lot of People think in those terms. I've either got a fixed mindset or an open mindset or a growth mindset. Or they're not aware of any mindset. And there's those that don't listen to this podcast have no idea about mindset. They're just the way I am. So in this particular episode, I want to talk about some other kind of an expanded view of mindset. And, you know, when I was reading, I came across an article and I don't know who wrote it. It was kind of a random thing. But it was around a different thought process. And he or she, in this particular case, used what they call a designer's mindset. They talked about designer's mindset, entrepreneurial mindset, and then a philosopher's mindset. Then I went down another rabbit hole, did some more research, and realized that there's other types of mindsets. Now, these were three that I was, you know, kind of spending some time thinking about and contemplating. And it really did, you and I had a brief conversation about it, and it really fired my brain up about, wow, isn't this an interesting view? Because I would think of all those things, but I would think of them as more character traits. Yes, I see that. And, you know, when you think about when we first started to delve into this, and we came across Carol Dweck's book, uh, Growth Mindset, and she's really sort of the pioneer in this work. But as you go down, like you say, you go down the rabbit hole, you start to see there's a whole plethora of other types of mindsets. And it's also interesting to see what do we describe ourselves as? So if I was to ask you, hun, what do you think your dominant mindset is? I have no idea. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yours is uh, just the way I am mindset. Just the way I am mindset. (laughs) Well, no, I think there's, well, in this context, I think I cover, depending on the context, like I, I believe that I have a very growth, you know, a growth mindset. I haven't very, I've developed myself that way. But when I looked at this conversation around a designer mindset or a entrepreneur mindset or a a philosopher's or, yeah, a a philosophical mindset, then I started to see myself in all of those things. And what was interesting about that, and I think to give you, the listener, a context for it, you know, let's talk about a couple of these things, then we'll go back to 
that conversation about how I see myself. I think there's, there's, I see myself, I see myself in all of these things. So when you look at a designer's mindset, it's the power of imagination, right? Creativity. Creativity. Now, because you and I are kind of surrounded with, in the world, the place that, you know, space that we play, there's a lot of designer type mindset, you know, given the sport in terms of figure skating, we'll use that one as an example. There's, you know, there's designers of clothing and then there's choreographers, artists, artists, there's choreographers. There's a lot of creativity in that space, but that's a mindset, right? It's having the way to look at a situation, look at a circumstance, look at life through a set of eyes that everything is possible and it just takes going to take creativity and, you know, forget about, and, and I don't want to say forget about the possibility or the functionality, because if we look at a choreographer, for example, whether that be in skating or dance or anything, really choreography is very creative. And we see this choreography of things and we go, holy crap, like that's, how do they do that? How do they do that? But then with Jadine, for example, she's a choreographer on skating, but she also has this ability to see life choreography. So there's people that have these creative mindsets and this intuition that they see and filter the world through. So it doesn't matter if it's in ice skating or in art or in business, that there's a, a way to connect them all through that creative mindset. Well, there's, yes. And there's, a, but there's another side of that. And we'll use choreography as an example, because the choreography as artistic as it might be and creative it is, it has to function. You know, you can't have people running into each other and you can't have people doing things that they aren't physically capable of or the environmental constraints or whatever that might be in that scenario. So that creativity also has functionality, which is really important. You know, we talk about in skating, you know, you'll see a skater and you'll go, wow, they're like world-class, they're amazing. But we don't realize that within the choreography is hidden some weaknesses that are, you know, you're not asking them to do from a choreography point of view. So you kind of are disguising it. (laughs) You're disguising it a little bit. Yeah, it's genius. Yeah. But, you know, there's, you you know, creativity has to follow functionality. And what we talk about skating or we're talking about dance or we're talking about, you know, like that artistic thing. But even in the world of business, in the world of architecture, in the world of being an engineer, lives that creativity. And then on the other side of it, the functionality. So think about if you were an engineer building a bridge and you have this vision of this beautiful bridge. I'm, I'm thinking in BC, this Portman bridge that they built is stunning. It matches the um, the terrain, looks like a mountain. But at the same time, that creativity has to live within a function so that people don't fall off the bridge or it doesn't, you know, the cars that are on it. So there's a combination between functionality and creativity when it comes to that. But they forgot it snows in Vancouver yeah, and right. then the ice thing. Yeah, and by point. the way, it's not mountains, honey. It's <laughs> What was it? You're so cute. They're the sails. Uh, really? Y- yes. Oh, yes. I thought it was supposed to be like the mountains. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Can we carry See, on? that's my creative mindset. <laughs> that's your creative mindset. I made it all oh, up. Why am I living within the boundaries <laughs> of that? So there's, you know, there's form follows function and, you know, that that's something that's important, but also the constraints that a real kind of pragmatic view of the world looks at. You know, when we talk to some of the creative people that we know, and and I'm not I'm not just talking about artistic in terms of dance or skating or or choreography or music, because that's the other part of it, right? You think about the creativity in in music and then the engineering that goes in. And the composer. All of it, right? So it's that's creativity. Now if you take somebody who doesn't have that creativity, they live within constraints. And that designer person that that 
you know, real kind of designer mindset doesn't see or have those same constraints. And for those who are really pragmatic in their thinking or believe they're pragmatic in their thinking, that can really piss them off. And so when you're hanging out and being surrounded by creativity, somebody who's pragmatic can't see it and therefore they get shut down. They say that's a stupid idea, whatever that might be. So the thing about it is, as we go through this conversation, I think there's some kind of maybe a couple of ahas in there for those of you who are both creative or maybe on the other side of it, if you're listening to this and you're not, you don't consider yourself creative and or you, you consider yourself more pragmatic, more engineer brain, give me an Excel spreadsheet. But even in that conversation, think about that, you know, an engineer, an architect, that takes a lot of design, that takes a lot of creativity. An accountant, I always tease accountants, you know, I've seen accountants spend crazy amounts of time trying to balance the books on a nickel or a dime. And I'm going, it's a dime. And they're going, I know, but it means there's a mistake somewhere. Something isn't and I'm going, erase it, change it, you know, like <laughs> get going, right? But in in all of that, they go through their processes. There's a lot of creativity in making those numbers work the way they need to work. And I think that's what really gets to them because in their world, in the pragmatic thought process, this has to work. But there's creative thoughts you that go into that. You have to have that creative thought because every year something's happening. This year he's coming up with new rules or this or that. It's funny, you know, you think about creativity. I've never thought of myself as a creative person. And then one of my closest friends who's an artist and a, she's a female, female impersonator. And she's probably, I, I would say, the best in the, in the world or North America. And we were sitting around talking one night and she looked at me and she said, I think you're the most creative person I've ever met. And it threw me right off because you know, I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. I can barely play the radio. I've got no artistic skills. Yet she looked at me and she's one of the most creative people I know and said that I'm the most creative. And what I realized what she was talking about was my entrepreneurial mindset that I can create business and opportunities out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And that is creative. So the entrepreneurial side of this creative mindset is really important as well. So I think there is a thought process around mindset that you may or may not think that you're creative when in reality you are. You have to have that level of creativity. Now, you probably know people that shut you shut you down in their their creativity because you're going that's just like a crazy idea, you know? But here's what I've learned. You know, we've literally with all of our teams have spent hours in meetings in terms of creating culture and creating uh, environment which we've talked a lot about where we're saying, okay, no bad ideas. What do we want to do? We want to create this event. We want to create this marketing campaign. We want to uh, expand the business. No bad ideas. So we get in there and we start throwing stuff up on a whiteboard where there is no bad ideas. There's nobody can criticize. There's nothing. We're just putting it up there. And it's amazing that the creativity that shows up from people you would never expect it. With the flow of the non-judgment. And the ideas, right? When there is no fear of judgment. When, as a matter of fact, it's being made fun. You know, one of the best campaigns that Rain had several years ago came from, what was it? Unicorn rainbow poop or something I know. <laughs> like it was it was <laughs> the most bizarre thing yet it inspired so much out of a particular event that we were doing that was a few years ago but but the point is is that you don't know where that's going to come and all of the pragmatic thinkers 
were like laughing about it, thinking how ridiculous it was. And when we came away from that, that was actually part of the theme that we adopted for that particular event and that particular weekend. So, you know, there's, there's a part of our design that is into that extent is open to exploration and not shutting things down and going, well, what if it could be that way? And I think if... Oh, whoa, whoa. Don't step over that, cowboy. You just said, what if it could be that way? And I think that's the the lever or the leverage into from a fixed mindset into what I call the possibility mindset. And possibility means, you know, you think about um, the word impossible. And when I break down words and play with language, it's I'm possible. Mm-hmm. So it's not impossible, it's I'm possible. So what's possible is part of being able to, you know, bust that mindset that says that I don't believe this or I don't understand it or it's impossible. But what if it is possible? And then what if you just said, what if? Exactly. And and I think there's a, a part of that, and, and this will link to the next parts of these conversations, by the way, is that within that designer mindset, in that creative mindset lives curiosity. And you know, I think about how curious somebody has to be in design. And again, if you don't think yourself as a design mindset or a creative mindset, you actually have to look at what you're doing. So one of the things, one of my superpowers is my MacGyver abilities, my mechanical abilities. I look at certain things and blows me away uh, what you can do. I, I, yeah. And it's just, it's interesting as I've never really considered that a gift. Of course, that's how you'd fix it. Of course, that's another way to do it. Well, you don't have the parts. Well, no, we'll just make these parts or use this over here and MacGyver it and, and it works. And I've never thought of that as I never thought of it as designer or, or creative. creative. Yeah. Funny how that is, right? I've always thought of myself as quite pragmatic. And, and and many who have worked with me would think of me as not that creative. But if I set myself up in the environment for that, then I can have as much fun as everybody else. But I'm always looking at execution and I'm looking working backwards from the execution of it, which is also my kryptonite, right? That will be what shuts me down. And that's why it's always smart to surround yourself with people that don't have your strengths and actually have strengths that you don't have. The complementary side the, of the it. The complementary yeah. side of it. Now, the other mindset is what we would naturally go to that most people... No, I shouldn't say most, many people wouldn't go to, is is the entrepreneurial mindset, you know, which to me represents that, we'll call it the power of initiative, right? That seeing and looking for and saying, well, this is a problem. And entrepreneurs go, okay, well, what's the gap? What's the solution? And what problem am I fixing? What problem am I solving? Yeah, solving. Right? Can I charge for it? You know, is there a way to generate revenue or to monetize it and at the same time minimize risk so that you're actually increasing the probability of it? So, you know, when we went through and we talked about it, there's a number of things that entrepreneurs, I think good entrepreneurs are, are have developed a mindset around. First off is being able to make a decision, being comfortable in the discomfort so yeah, absolutely. And being willing to take risks. Well, yeah, but there's, it's, it's also calculated risks or be, or, or knowing. It's not chances. It's not like we're going to Vegas, but calculated risks are important. 
you come with calculated risks and there's always the ambiguity of whether or not that can actually unfold. So there's another side of it, which is around failure. And this is one that we've talked about before, where you have to be comfortable being failing. uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, you have to be and comfortable being uncomfortable, yeah. but you have to be uncomfortable failing. And, you know, how many times have we tried things and it's literally cost us thousands of dollars and, but there was no other way to do it. You go, okay, I'm going in, I'm not throwing money up against the wall to see if it sticks. You're literally calculating it. You're making a decision. You know, there's a risk involved. This might not work. And, you know, you do it anyway, you do it anyways. And, and because you believe in it and you've gone through the process, whatever your process is of making the decision, understanding that may not work. And so many people are not comfortable with that and realizing that there is no growth, like the growth lives often in the failure to understand, oh, okay, well, that didn't work. It has to be done this way. So the next time you do it, or the next time after that you do it, it really can work. So these are the the things that I think start to show up. Well, when you think about being comfortable, being uncomfortable, that is sort of a, what I call that the champion's paradox. If you're not comfortable being uncomfortable, then there's really no growth in that. Because if you're always constantly seeking comfort, there's inertia that comes with that. And with inertia comes a lack of creativity and it comes actually, um, basically a no growth opportunity scenario. And I've seen that with people that have chosen to move away from being an entrepreneur or business owner and go to job seeking, for example, where they can just, I just want a job. I just want nine to five. I just want something, you know, that I, that I know that I can enjoy my weekend so that it's not wrong, but it's identifying soon enough. If you do have an entrepreneur mindset, if you don't, that's okay. I've had both, you know, I've worked with clients over the years that are both that they think they don't have a entrepreneurial mindset, turns out they do. And the next thing you know, they're realizing that what's kind of causing the angst in their life and why they're seeking coaching is that they're in a vocation that doesn't align with who they are. They're being choked down. Nine to five doesn't really interest them. It's kind of okay. It's a box. It's secure. But then they don't like the limitations that that provides them or puts on them. And so they then go outside of that. And then I've also seen entrepreneurs who go, this is too crazy. It's too hard. It's too hard. Because within that context, I think we all have to recognize as entrepreneurs, you live in ambiguity. You don't have all the answers. And even though you may research them or you try and set yourself up so you get as many answers as possible, you're always living into this world that I don't have it all figured out. And it doesn't matter. You know, I look at real estate investors and I think about the individuals I've seen over the years that are building their business of investing in real estate and they're into, you know, burrs or fix and flips or whatever strategy, rent to owns, could be any number of them. And even if they're on their fifth or seventh or 10th or 100th, they realize that there is some risk always in whatever that project is. And I think that's just the nature of business. I look at how many years that we've owned ProSkate or I've owned ProSkate, we collectively, I mean, is that as many years as I've had that business, there's always something that we're dealing with that 
I guess it could be, uh, you know, this, it was COVID, you know, oh gosh, you just shut your business down for a couple of years or not really shut it down, just kind of shut it down, you know, continue to pay rent and pay some staff, but don't really taxes, do it, but, pay you your know, taxes, you know, just but don't kinda, have any customers, you know, just hang out with that for a while. Okay. Well, you know, so the point is around business in entrepreneur, there isn't that security that people think they have with jobs. Now on the other side of that, I had staff that had been with me when I shut down the second location that had been with me and they had the security of a job until they didn't have it, which was I hadn't, there was nothing. I was out of, I was out of rope. You know, there was no way to keep those stores operating. There was no clients. There was no revenue. It made no sense. And so I, I shut down a second location. Now, some of those staff were feeling probably secure and as understanding as they were, you know, you start to realize that. Okay, there's the other side of it. Now, where are we going down this path? The point is this, is not everybody has an entrepreneurial mindset. Now, within being an entrepreneur, there also requires some creativity. Yes, and I think being an entrepreneur and having a creative mindset also allows you to step into this, the, the conversation. I remember waking up one day and thinking, you know, everybody says, you know, you have to think outside the box. You have to think outside the box. And maybe just because I wasn't smart enough at the time, I had to stop and go, what box? Like, why is there even a box? And when I realized that there was no box, and I actually trademarked that, it's like, what box? It was like, it busted me through my own creative limitations, is that there are no boxes. And if as entrepreneurs, as people, we are born creative. We're born, like you think of little kids, they they build sandcastles, they they understand, you know, that you can take a, a box and it's the most amazing Christmas present ever and make something. You can make a sail, uh, uh, you know, you can sail away in, in a ship, in a Christmas box. So where did we lose that? Where do we lose well, that? Well, that's a whole different conversation. Well, maybe that's our next podcast. Maybe that could be. So then ultimately we look at, and being aware of what are it, it's, it sounds like a character trait, but it's also it is, but it's also mindset. You know, are you do you have the mindset of an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, you know, a, a business owner? You know, I talked on the podcast on the Everyday Millionaire. I'll be releasing. Uh, I don't know when it comes out, but anyways, I had an amazing conversation with a guy who bought businesses, and he had done forty eight businesses that he bought and sold. I think over twelve or eighteen months through COVID. He doesn't recommend it, but that's what he did. He actually helps. <laughs> entrepreneurs, business people, buy and sell businesses, buy, wow. you know, from a motivated vendor. Now, here's something interesting about this. Holy cow, we're going off on a tangent, which is what's happening in the world today is you have a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, boomers, even like us, who are going, wow, maybe it's time to sell the business. You know, we've had it for 40 years. Now, I, you know, I'm going to probably sell to one of the team and blah, 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 all the rest of that. That's kind of one of the plans. But ultimately, there's thousands of businesses that are coming to the forefront being ready to sell. And there's going to be some motivated boomers that just want to get the hell out. Uh, there's also health issues. There's, there's all sorts of things that are starting to show up. So he actually had taken this whole thing and he goes, I don't need to know. This is an interesting mindset right here. It's a view of the world in business. I don't need to know the businesses. I really don't need to know. Is the vendor motivated? Can I get financing from the vendor and or can I get investors involved? Is there actually a team? Is it actually profitable? My savvy is business. 
I don't need to know what the business is. I'll go in, I'll work with the existing team who know the business, the general manager, whatever they got. If it's more than a, you know, a five-man operation, I'm all in. If that is if I see the the numbers and I see that it's working and I believe in what the business is about, which comes from history and track record, balance sheet, profit and loss statements, he would go in and buy businesses, turn them around. And sell them. And sell them. Wow. Add value and sell them. It's like, I went, that That's sounds genius. that sounds a lot like a real estate investor. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyways, very cool guy. He's from the UK and he does this and uh, coaches it. And, and it's really cool. I was really impressed with that thought process. And I went, yeah, I don't need to know. I mean, how many people do we coach? I don't know your business, but I'll tell you how to improve your business. I don't need to know what the business is because I just know business. Yeah. And you, you know. help people find their blind spots and you move through it. Sometimes I wonder, I got to find one of those guys that can tell me. Okay. <laughs> now, there's Well, a, you just have to be open. Open, exactly. So then the final mindset that I want to just touch on is what they call a philosopher's mindset. And that's in understanding the power of reflection, which, as you know, is one of those things that I often do to a fault. And we look at the... Mindset, this is, you're going to love this because this is both my blessing and my curse. Philosophically, when I reflect, it's easy for me to see all sides. Yes. It drives me crazy. I can see all sides. At the same time. Yes. At the same time. What it leaves me in is a quandary. Of paralysis sometimes. Well, a little bit of paralysis, not because I'm doing the numbers, but because I understand the situation from every direction. You know, one of our, I guess we call him a coach from many years that we worked with, Ken Keys, I give him a, a shout out. He looked at me, he goes, you're like the, the what do you call it, the four horsemen or something. He gave yeah. us some, because he said you're being pulled in all these directions because of your ability to see all sides, which leaves you sounding and looking wishy-washy if you're not careful. You know, so many people live into the idealisms that they're going, it's black, it's white, it's this way, it's that way. You know, we see it right now with the polarity in our own culture right now. And, you know, when we look at vax, no vax, COVID, is it, is it a pandemic? Is it a flu? That's, that's the new debate. Oh, yeah, Male, right? female. Well, no, what are you talking about? There's more than two there's genders. There's 72 genders. There's 72 genders. You know, what science do you believe? I don't know. The million doctors that call bullshit or the million dollars that, you know, hang million out doctors. with. doctors. Uh, the doctors. What did I say? Dollars. Dollars. <laughs> See, it's always on my mind. Money. Follow the money. So the point is, is that, you know, the million doctors that, you know, what is the science do you believe? You know, so the point is, is I can see both sides. I really, really can. And that's both, uh, that is a little problematic, but I'm going to take it as a gift. Well, it is a gift. And you, you think about, you know, people that have looked at it over the years and said, well, you know, pick a side, Francie. And you're yeah. like, well, I could, but I also see the benefits of, of both sides. And that to me is a growth mindset. That is the ability to really and it's about helping people see other things. When we're so fixed and you're only believing in one side, it can be really damaging. But the gift that you have is that not only for yourself, but you can help other people see the other side of things. And right now we have to force ourselves. And we talked a little bit about confirmation bias in our last couple of uh, podcasts is that if we're only seeking information that confirms our biases or what we believe, then we don't see both sides. We don't see the alternate way of looking at things. And I think as human beings and as people going forward and, and creating and being, whether it's entrepreneurial or whatever we're going to be in the next phase of what's happening in humanity, is that we have to be able to see other people's view of the world. 
Understood. So my big awakening many years ago, and not that many, believe it or not, was the understanding that I can see all sides. But here's the thing. When I have to form an opinion, make a decision based on seeing and the ability to see all sides, I can always go back and I now go back to one fundamental thing. Is it in the context of my values? And not to say that, again, we always stress this, my values aren't right, yours aren't right, mine aren't wrong, yours aren't wrong, they're just your values, my values. And understanding that I can see all sides. And I could have a strong argument for any one of those sides. You want me on my team, on your team, you know, if you've got an argument, because I can take that side, but I can't take it with the understanding that it lives outside of my values now. So when it comes to decision-making, I either go, it's in the context of my values or it's not. Even though you can see all sides. I can see it all. Which is brilliant. Don't step over that. Is that if we can see other people's view of the world and respect that, but still honor our values. I remember back in the day, years ago, we had a coach, Michael Reynolds, and he would say, it's like living life in a, in a rushing river. And then there's that stone and that rock in the middle of the river. And if you can stand on, and he said, can you stand in the light of the truth, of your truth, and let the river rush by you and know that you're going to be wrong to a lot of people? So it's standing in the light of your truth. It doesn't mean other people are wrong. It just means in this moment, are you honoring your values? Well, it's so interesting. You know, a good friend of ours over many years, uh, Jamie Soleil, is huge in the paper these days. Recently, the Toronto Star did an article on her and really kind of threw her under the bus. It was an extensive article and making her wrong for views. She doesn't happen to believe in vaccination. She's, uh, you know, had... That's caused huge family challenges for her. But her stand is, is I'm calling bullshit on all of this. Now, I can understand that. I can see that. Love Jamie to death. And I really see where she sees things. Okay, Toronto, the Toronto Star just totally threw her under the bus. Well, it's such a propagandist. I'm sorry. Okay, but get it. My mainstream media owned by government. Got it. So I can see that side of it. But I can also see the other side of that coin. Now, do I have a view of it? Yes, but it doesn't matter. My view really doesn't matter. I'm not going to live into my idealism versus somebody else's. My point is this, is that the polarity of people taking stands, right? So the Toronto Star took a stand and and Yeah, it's, but they it's, didn't even put another side on it. Well, they didn't. They didn't do a good job of it. No, it I was don't It's horrible. Well, I don't know about horrible, but see, there I am. I can see the other <laughs> side of it, right? But it's my point is this is is around all of this is when you take a stand and you live into those idealisms, you're going to get trashed by those who don't agree with you. And then the other side of that is that, you know, so as I watched Twitter and as I read the unfolding of the social media, it really is. And I'm and and they made some statements that I'm going, no, sorry, Toronto Star. I don't have to agree with Jamie. I and 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 or agree or disagree. Doesn't matter. You know, you made a couple of statements that she's, you know, she made these claims without any research, research or validation. There was no way to validate. I'm going, no, that's not true. She's totally doing all the work in behind the scenes. That led to the question. And, you know, my own contemplation is what is the science? What do I believe? Yeah. What is so how is the research she's done wrong versus the mainstream media narrative that everybody wants us to believe? So my point is this. That's not the topic. The point is this. 
is the philosopher's mindset I find myself in going, I love Jamie. She's been a good friend for many years, and I see the direction she's going, the stand she's taking, the price she's paying. And then I see the other side, and I use the Toronto Star as an example, but there is that other side. You know, there's the million doctors that are going, do this, and there's the million doctors are going, don't do this, and, you know, trust the science. So philosophically, I see both sides. Well, that's my point. Which science? My point is this, is I see both sides and I have to then make a decision. And filter it through your values. Filter it through my values. Full stop. That's it. And this isn't about what it is or what it isn't because we could debate that all day long and we lose. Nobody's winning these conversations. If you're in that, you've got confirmation bias. And we talked about confirmation bias. We've got um, the whole concept of understanding that that confirmation bias is driven by the algorithms that you are <laughs> actually, media. you know, uh, you know, and then there's cog- cognitive dissonance, there's cognitive so- distortions, cognitive distortions. So it's really messed up, right? So here's all of this, folks. You know, if you're listening to this still, I hope you are. <laughs> and I hope this has been insightful in our ramblings. Is that there are no answers, but understanding where you are, you know, understanding how you think is I th- is really the point of it here. When we look at growth mindset or fixed mindset, it expands into a conversation that goes deeper than that. And in these, you know, I've used the example in this is that creative or that designer mindset, you know, that entrepreneurial mindset. And it could be even within a large corporation, for example, you could have that entrepreneurial kind of thought process. And then that philosopher's mindset, you know, can you step back from thing and be philosophical without being in a charge, being activated? Well, philosophical doesn't mean being right. It just means, are you looking at other sides? Do you have a philosophy? Is it aligned with your values? You think of the Stoics, you know, like, you know, with Marcus Aurelius and and those guys that were really put under a deep, deep amount of pressure and when they came up with their writings and the things that they looked at. So when you look at mindset, you look at all these things that were, you know, trying to disseminate or share. If we don't have the option to know, you know what, maybe I'm looking through this as a filter of my entrepreneur mindset. Maybe I'm looking at it through my creative mindset. Maybe I'm looking at it through my philosophy philosopher's mindset. We really have to take the time to slow down enough and say, okay, am I making my judgments based on what I truly believe through my values or just what I've heard on mainstream media or because I don't like that person? So I think this is could really take us into a new conversation around mindset, around judgment, around how we evaluate certain situations. It'd be very helpful, our one listener to give us some impact or some input. Our one listener, <laughs> if, Cheryl. <laughs> if you could please, <laughs> no, Casera, if you could please give us some insights if you want to see us go down another path. CEO at Rain Canada, Stephanie, I think uh, we've done enough damage here today. We have. That was so fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends as it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.